You're listening to Garibaldi Red, a Nottingham Forest podcast brought to you by Nottinghamshire Live. Hello and welcome to Garibaldi Red. The uh, end of the World Cup is drawing near and we're recording this before England play France so we can collectively celebrate or commiserate and look ahead to the return of Nottingham Forest and the Premier League. So we're going to be discussing the upcoming games, the transfer window in the place to watch in the company of, first of all, Michael Temple. Temps, hello, how are you? Morning, Matt. Feeling good? Good, good. And our second guest today is Greg Mitchell. Greg, how are you doing? Good, yeah. Prepared as ever. How are you? Haven't looked at your notes you sent me. It's been a busy morning. So. <laughs> Not at all. What, is, what have you been doing this morning? Uh, yeah, I've been to Temps Barbers and uh, had my hair cut, as you can tell. And oh, just unpacking. Okay. Moved out, so it's a nightmare. Yeah, you're in your new <laughs> podcast studio. Got your Christmas tree up. That's good. You're ahead of the rest of us. <laughs> right. Uh, before we start, we'll give a plug for our exciting live podcast on the 15th of December. That's next Thursday or this Thursday as this comes out at the Trent Nav uh, at six well 6.45ish start. And uh, I'll put all the details in the comments, but hopefully people can come along. Fletch will be there. Greg's there. Mikey's there. Temps is sort of there potentially, but uh, hopefully he'll come along for a bit of it. Party right? in this time of year, MD. <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> Places to be, people to see. I know you've got a busy social calendar, but hopefully people can come along. It should be good. It's the first one of these that we've done. So and hopefully the first of many. Right. Uh, let's move on to business then. And we'll start with uh, Gustavo Scarpa, the signing of the Brazilian. I think we all knew it was coming. It's been officially confirmed as he skateboarded into the city at the weekend. Temps, thoughts on the deal? Exciting one? Or are you kind of a bit reserved about it because you don't know too much about him? Yeah, don't expect too much personally at this stage because he's not ready to drop into the first team, is he? Having seen the the benefit and the difference from a players that have gelled, bought into a system, played together, I'm going to append that by putting a Brazilian number 10 uh, in instead of the guys that have come to the fore in the last few weeks. So I'd be surprised to see him thrust into the first team, at least in the league. I think there's a relatively high chance we could see him in that Blackburn match, but I don't expect him to find his way into the Premier League first team just yet. What about you, Greg? Are you excited by it? He seems a character. I was excited in July or whenever it came out that we were getting him, but uh, I've always had this niggling feeling that, you know, with the connection with the Olympiacos and that, if there's not room for him, will he go there? And you. I worried about that, but I do feel like all he's talking about is Nottingham. He's, he's really, he looks like he's embraced it. He's full of enthusiasm. And to the point with Gibbs White and uh, Lingard, it's competition, isn't it? It's great competition for players. You've got five subs on the bench. And I think he, none of us know how good he is. The potential's certainly there. He's a seasoned pro. He's won awards and won championships. He's won cup. So he's hopefully the exact player that could, could make a difference for us. So if he plays for us, I'm excited. I'll just make one nuanced point. It just it doesn't strike me necessarily as one from the Cooper playbook who's had Gibbs mm. White in his mind for a long time to be in that spot. Mm. That said, Aurier Coyate examples where the machine at Forest has come good and delivered first team ready players. So I'd I'd love to get this, you know, shoved back down my throat in a soundbite in a few weeks' time when he scored a hat trick on his debut against Man United he's going to take some time to prove himself internally to manager and teammates that he's ready to take on that responsibility but yeah as a talent as a footballing talent 
and as a skateboarder and as a personality, he looks like a, a, a great lad, doesn't he? I think he'll add some energy to the training ground for sure. Yeah, I don't think he's one where Steve Cooper's gone, I want Gustavo Scarpa. He's identified him when we were playing Bristol City last October as a potential signing or anything like that. I think it's one that the club's found. But, you know, I hope that, well, the thinking I think is that they've stolen a march on other clubs by getting him early, you know, when he's at his peak of his powers. Is that sensible, Greg? Do we give them credit for, you know, they need a worldwide scouting network in a sense now, don't they? Yeah, because arguably, by the sounds of it, especially in Brazil, since we agreed the the pre-contract signing back in the summer, he's pushed on and became an even better player. A player that teams further up the league would have been looking at, but it's pointless because he's already has. It's already signed and sealed. So it could be the perfect example of like the footballing machine working well. We've had many years through different ownerships where it's just we've never been that club, have we? And have we found one? Is this beginning of trusting the process, not just Cooper, but the team behind the club as well of finding them, you know, getting it from all angles. And if this proves to be a good one, then we should certainly uh, respect what's gone on there and hopefully there'll be a few more. I suppose, Temps, if he does take six months, I mean, that's still OK because we've seen players come in from South America and it can be a bit hit and miss, can't it, if we're being honest. It's a very different culture and different type of football. And, you know, if it does take him until the summer to settle, then that's not the end of the world, is it? When you've got Lingard, Gibbs White, Brennan Johnson, who are all that sort of profile of player in a sense, I guess. Well, I mean, look at it in a business sense. He's an appreciating asset, isn't he? At that age, with that background, if he proves himself in any major European league, then he's going to be worth a, a hell of a lot more than, than we've invested in the outlay in a reasonable sal- salary and probably a chunk of agent's fee. If, if he produces similar highlights in a year's time two years time after two loans then 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 great I'm excited about what he might become I just don't think he's the solution at this minute and he's certainly not someone you're going to parachute in but yes having the the wherewithal within a squad with a lower age profile than there's ever been with higher on sale values than there's ever been with residual values in longer contracts it feels like good football business looking at the rest of the window I mean, obviously, it's not going to be like the summer. There's, that's not going to happen with 23 signings. I think there's going to be some business, not like full-on heart replacement surgery, but not like you know taking your appendix out. Somewhere in the middle, it's going to be a, a, a bit of work done. What kind of thing do you think they need to do, Greg? What would you like to see? Well, first off, I want to see who's on the plane to, to Greece and Valencia because... These players, like, I, I, you, we just don't know how far down the injury line they are, like Omar Richards and players like that, who are a complete new signing when they get here, near Carty. So we need to see where we are that sense. But I think every team in every league always wants another striker, don't they? <laughs> we could do that. And then central defence as well, you know, relying on your cookies for the, for the rest of the season might not be... Uh, might not be great. I mean, he's a cracking player, but he's also coming towards the end of his time and we we might need some fresher legs there. So, yeah, I'd love to see quality and not quantity this time. Three mm. or four maximum, but good quality. You might have to spend a bit of money, which you certainly don't mind doing. Uh, but it'll be interesting. None of us know, do we? There could be 10 signings and we won't be surprised or there could be one superstar. Mm, true, true. I mean, I don't think... I don't think we'll see Nia Carte yet. And I'm not sure we'll mm. see Richards yet, unfortunately. But 
they're not short at left back anyway, so it's not a not a disaster. What about you, Temps? If you had a Christmas shopping list or a January shopping list, what would be on it? I agree with Greg. You attack in that order. You go out and out for that number nine who can lead the line, be the goal scorer, be the focal point for our attacks. You hope and pray that the resilience and the um, right combination at centre-half comes from within, but you accept that there might be someone out there that can improve um, the options that we've got at this moment in time. So, yeah, I'll I'll echo what Greg said. Number nine would be at the very top of my shopping list. I'd be sniffing around some centre-halves as well if we can improve the quality of what we've got at the minute rather than just putting another car in the car park for a player at the same level. These signings need to be impactful. They need to be first team ready. And I think if we get to the end of January, having found a number nine who fits that bill, we can reflect on a good window. Yeah, I agree with that. I was trying to think, like, if there's, say there's four signings, like, where are they going to be? Because I want, you definitely want a striker. Maybe you even want two strikers. We'll come on to who might leave. Maybe you want a centre-half, but they've got a lot. I don't know where else you'd look. Maybe a box-to-box midfielder. They don't quite... Yates, he's sort of that, and Freuler, we've seen in Switzerland, maybe can be. Is that O'Brien could be? It's tough to think where else they could strengthen. Well, there'll, there'll be a plan going in, won't there? But there'll also be that reaction if some left field player of quality becomes available, and you just feel you you have to act. I suppose, mm. like we did with, with with Lingard, who probably wasn't necessarily at the top of the shortlist at the start of the season, but when he his availability became obvious to us, we, we made a move. So don't be surprised to see. Uh, a signing in a position that we perceive is already loaded because we think it's someone that can take us up a notch. There'll be a lot of agents making a lot of calls this time of year with a view to getting a, a move for their client. And we're in we're in the Premier League now, so the the numbers will be higher, as will the quality of the of the player on offer. So, yeah, despite it being obvious to us what we think we need, there, there could well be a, a left field surprise that catches us all unawares. Do you try and do a deal for Dean Henderson in January to free up a loan spot? Or do you wait and see if you're in the Premier League, Greg, next season? I'd do a deal for him straight away. Mm. He's, he's clearly our number one goalkeeper. Clearly, you know, from his, his words in the summer, doesn't really have a future at Man United. But he's going to be a Premier League goalkeeper somewhere. Let's tie him down and get him with us. Uh, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, what do you think, Thames? It's I mean, my Greg makes a good point. I think he's burnt his bridges at Man United, hasn't he? A lot. I'm Dean Henderson. I'm not signing a deal with Forrest now. Okay, if it was us, of course we'd we'd commit forever for no money. But think of Dean Henderson with that that self awareness that he's in the top four, top five English qualified keepers at the minute, and probably perceives himself to be in the top seven, top eight Premier League goalkeepers. He knows his worth. He knows he has to operate in the Premier League and he knows he can't take a risk of taking a relegation on the chin and and trying to find his way back into the the top flight. So I'd be very pleasantly surprised if Dean Henderson committed to us now, not for a lack of Forrest trying or me thinking it's it's, it's good business or wanting him to be between the, the sticks for the foreseeable. I just think he'd want certainty of Premier League status before he commits to Forest. Yeah, it's interesting because it's such a specialised position. There's only so many slots in the Premier League. You kind of think, yeah, like you say, one of the top four English keepers. But where does he go that's better than Forest? Like going abroad, maybe Spurs with Lloris getting a bit older, but then would they go abroad? He doesn't want to end up being 
back as a number two at a top top club, does he? Like a, an Arsenal or something. So it's an interesting uh, conundrum for him. Let's talk about outgoings. I mean, I suppose Greg, Cafu, Taylor, Colback. It'd be a bit sad to see some of those go, but do you think it's probably time for them to move on in January? Yeah, I'd be really sad to see Cafu go. I mean, and Colback, of course, but. Cafu deserves football. He's a, he's a cracking person. He's clearly one of the one of the squad that all the team like and respect, and he, he deserves to play football. So there should be the top championship teams fighting to get him, and I'm sure it won't be an issue. But if we're talking about three or four players coming in, obviously we've got to make room for them in the, the Premier League squad, haven't we? And I think it's only Beacone that's that's out for the season, so that's one free spot. Other than that, players from this 25, if I'm right, are going to have to leave, aren't they? Or be dropped down and said, you're not playing for us again this season to make room. So, like every single team in this league, it's the same situation, but it's a real interesting and new one for us, really. Yeah, yeah. They're going to have to go, aren't they, Tony? Like Greg mm. says, because Colback's in the squad. Cafu and Taylor aren't. So, someone who's come in in the summer... Is likely going to have to go, aren't they, Tom? So, who, who, I mean, I think I could name one at least, maybe two. What about what about who would you be looking at there? Well, you, you've nailed the obvious ones there, but I'd be looking at the profile of the players that can that would would come in, and we, we can't be romantic about this. We've got to replace good players with better players. So, if we sign a marquee striker, that probably means making a very difficult decision about Sam Surridge or or, or Tyro Wanyi, who are going to find themselves in a, a worse position at the end of this window if the shiny new toy walks in through the door. So I wouldn't be surprised to see that decision be made in the context of who we sign. Clearly, if a centre-half comes in, there's going to be risk for Barde, maybe even Bolly, despite having found himself in the spotlight last last couple of games. I don't think he's the player that we want in there uh, long-term. And how are you going to react if Sam Surridge comes knocking the door saying you've just signed a striker? I don't feel I've been I've had enough game time pre-Christmas. Get me out on loan, please, Gaffer. So that that sort of conversation will be forced by one or two squad players who are getting minutes on the bench who see their opportunities limited by whatever walks through the door. So yeah, that would um, that's that's the way I'd go. I look at the profile of the player that's coming in, work out pretty quickly whose minutes they're stealing and try and arrange a, a low move for them sharpish because you don't want players sat in your car park, earning a wage, not in that 25, um, just just hanging around the place when they, they, they can really add nothing from this point on in the season. I think I'm right in saying the registration window stops at the end of January. You can't pick and choose and make moves in and out of this 25. So we have to be brutal. Yeah, I mean, I think... Like, Barde, you mentioned, I wouldn't be at all surprised if his loan ends, if he's behind you know, the players that have played, obviously, at the moment, and the feeling is he's a bit raw and a bit young, and it's a bit of a much too much of an ask for him, then there's sort of pointless him being here, in a sense, and maybe you send him back, and you, you're right about Surridge. The one I was looking at, Greg's probably Emmanuel Dennis. I mean, he hasn't yeah. had that many minutes, but... I'm not sure where he fits because he's not. A, I don't think he's now out, out number nine. Uh, so it's him and Brennan applying playing for the same place. But it's someone like that, a big summer signing, perhaps going to be sacrificed and you know shake hands and say thanks very much. But we, we're looking elsewhere now. It 
I think if we got him out on loan, but it's it's recouping some of that money, isn't it? Is that going to stop us saying, you know, not for us, was it 20 million or whatever? I can't remember now, but mm. it was a lot of money to say after six months, didn't work, move on. I mean, respect if they can do that, but I, I'd be really surprised. But if you were just looking at it on paper now, then, yeah, there's not really game time for him, is there, at the minute? There's quite a few people around there and he's not, as of yet, shown that he's he's going to be the guy. Mm. I suppose that's the hazard of 23 signings in the summer. You had to build a squad quickly to compete. If they, you know, got in short on numbers, then they'd, you know, they'd be here now needing 10 more players. So now they're in a bit of a difficult spot, but they had to do what they had to do in the summer. We've debated that, Steph, or they did a bit much, but mm. business needed doing. Um, looking ahead to the second half of the season, you would have known this if you'd read the notes, Greg, but I said, can you pick out a player a player each that you've got high hopes for? I'll start with Thames, um, and then I can do one. But is who are you looking at? you think this is going to be a big six months for them? Who's going to do well for us? I'll give Greg some thinking time here. I, I could have pulled out any of the, the, the dribblers, the ballers, the creative players in the final third. I'm going to, I'm going to land on Morgan Gibbs-White because I think he's the one that's perhaps most guaranteed the minutes and has, has shown why Cooper rates him so much. Watching that piece with um, Phil Foden and Steve Cooper in the build-up to the, the game in the week was really interesting for me because it showed lots of clips of Gibbs White in that England and the 17 side where he was a very prominent player in going on that run to win the, the World Cup. And more importantly, coming from 2-0 down to, to beat Spain 5-2. Uh, and he scored a goal and talked about his own resolve and motivation um, having been on the the, the end of a, a racially motivated comment from one of the Spain defenders, he came to the fore, took control of that game, ran it, and they won 5-2. It also showed the depth of the bond and the understanding between manager and footballer that exists between Steve Cooper and Morgan Gibbs-White. This is a lad he's tracked for years. This is a guy he's uh, managed in an international context and, and, and now at club level. He wants him to be the focal point of this team. He absolutely orchestrated the signing of him, the commitment to the fee, the role he's got in the side. And I think if we're going to be successful, then Steve Cooper's plan for Morgan Gibbs-White needs to come to the fore. We've seen in spots his ability to pick up the ball deep, drive at a player, find that probing pass, get players in behind. I think he could have a big second half of the season and be the reason that Forrest accumulate points much more quickly than they did before the break. Yeah, I think that's bang on. What about you, Greg, if you were picking someone out? Well, this just shows why Scarpa's going to have such a tough time because I'd say Lingard, purely because that Spurs Cup game, then I think it was the Palace game, he showed that form from West Ham that got the whole country excited again about how good he could be. And, you know, if he could make England teams, which unfortunately, the way it started at Forest, he was, he was never going to get in it, was he? But he's shown the type of form that, the whole, like I say, the whole country was excited about during that West Ham time. Just for the last couple of games, it's just gave us that little, that little bit to get excited about. And you know, Gibbs White, Lingard, completely improved Johnson again. They give Johnson that confidence that he had with Spence and players like that. And I just think they, those two, are the key. So yeah, Gibbs White and especially Lingard, just showing what we'd all hoped he was going to bring to the table. Mm. They were the two I was going to pick out as well. I mean, Forrest can't 
keep winning games 1-0. They're going to need to mm. score more goals. And I think those two are the key to it. And like Greg says, you elevate those two, you get more out of Brennan Johnson, I think, in terms of numbers as well. And whoever the number nine is, I don't think Lingard and Gibbs-White are going to play the next 23 games together or whatever it is. I think probably Jesse's going to be a bit more in and out than Gibbs-White, but I've got, got high hopes for him. I think he, he looks fitter. Uh, and mm. everything you hear about him is he's got a really good attitude and he's fitting in really well. And it feels like, I mean, the break came at a bad time for him, but I think he can, you know, he's been a bit ill, but if he gets back at it, then I've got definitely got high hopes for him going into the, the second half of the season. Um, looking at the upcoming games then, I'll just read some of them out because it's a big run of fixtures coming up. So obviously before they get back to it, They've got Valencia in a friendly and they've, well, as this comes out, they'll have played Olympiacos um, at the weekend. So then they've got the Blackburn game and then more importantly, the Premier League starts on the 27th. Uh, Manu away, Chelsea at home. A big run with Southampton away, Blackpool in the FA Cup. Uh, Leicester at home, Bournemouth away, Leeds at home, Fulham away. I mean, it's too simplistic to say the season's decided there, isn't it, Temps? But a good run or a bad run can really cast the die of how it's going to go. I don't think it is. It, it frames the running, doesn't it? And aside from Man U and Chelsea, which are very tough games, obviously, you, you, you fancy yourselves to compete with Southampton, Leicester, Bournemouth, Leeds, Fulham. So it's a, a fortuitous run of fixtures made all the better if we can spring a surprise in, in one of those two games. And I'm sure Greg's going to tell us we're going to beat Man U and Chelsea 3-0. So I would, I would take any kind of... Um, credible performance and nick a, nick a point or two from those two games and we're on cloud nine going into that run of winnable fixtures. I just really hope, and I don't think we will, um, get turned over by um, Chelsea or, or Man United because we just showed before the break that we'd managed to combine that solidity at the back, bending in the shape, bending in the back four, getting the right mix in midfield and starting to look more sharp going forward that that hinted that no one no one else is going to do as six nil in quite the way that, that that man city did so let's make a good of account ourselves against chelsea and manu um of course be compact look to spoil and, and and spring on the spring on the counter but then when we get into that run of fixtures thereafter we've got to be targeting a, a run of wins to to get us out of the position that we find ourselves in because there are some very, very challenging home fixtures to come at the very back end of the season. How optimistic are you on the Greg Mitchell scale of optimism? Well, I'm certainly not going to do what I did in September when I said like the Fulham and the Bournemouth games are the ones that are going to cap all the season. But we certainly owe a couple of teams some a bit of revenge. And, you know, Leicester, that was a horrendous game. Uh, they deserve to see what the new improved Forest looks like. Uh, Man U and Chelsea—they're hard games, but we, we, we're not going to go. <laughs> we're not going to go to Man U like we did Man City. We're going to go to Man U saying, "Right, we're ready for this. This new, improved Nottingham Forest team are ready to give it a go." And Chelsea at home, we look at Liverpool home for things like that and say, "Look what this ground can do. Look what these players can do during the big games." I feel better going into a game like Chelsea at home than I do now against Blooming. Mean, if it was Southampton at home, no, Southampton's away, isn't it? But comparing it to your Bournemouth and Fulham, your banana skins, I think we as a club just work better as a the, the big, big time game. So I'm glad we've got this tough start. 
and then bed us in for these games where we really should be competitive. Does the World Cup fade them as well, Greg? Because obviously Forrest, Freud is still in it as we record this, but Manu and Chelsea are probably going to have likes of Dallow, Rashford hopefully still in it, Fernandez, Chelsea, got Thiago Silva and a couple of others around it. I mean, that could help Forrest, do you think, a mm. little bit? I think it helped us anyway, just through getting that form and having a proper, a new pre-season again. You know, all these players now, I'd love to know the difference between what it was like in July with that same squad to what it's going to be like now in the warm weather training. Uh, yeah, some of the Premier League teams, it's ridiculous. Like, I think Liverpool have something like 10 players out there. I know we're not playing these, but Man City have like 17 players or something. I can't. So, of course, your Man United's and Chelsea's, they're going to have loads and they want... They're going to be shattered. They want a little break. They've been in the sun for two months. So, uh, yeah, it's got to favour us and we've got to take hope from things like that because there's certainly no games now coming up where you think, well, we're not going to get anything about that. We've got to fight for absolutely every point. Mm. My uh, my Brentford mate says that, that we should have been pleased with that point against Brentford because you soon realise that absolutely every point counts in this league and you pick something up against Manu or Chelsea and it's it's going to be a good start. True. We can't go back over VAR, but yeah, we should have got a lot more than two points. At one point from that game, so yeah. It was interesting, um, that Stephen Reed interview I did, where he talks about Cooper knowing players and when they're not, they're not at it in training and he can pull them aside and have a word with them. And I think now he's probably able to do that a lot better, isn't he? Because he's had these this month now where he's got to know some of these lads who he can't really have got to know properly in the first 15 games. Players like Lodi and um, Aurier, who you hear good things about in terms of you know the way he's driving standards in the dressing room and being really fitting in well and melding that group together. I mean, I, the break's come at a good time still, Temps, hasn't it, I think? Yeah, and... Uh... Great interview with Stephen Reid. And anyone that's listening to this that hasn't heard that yet, go go back on whatever play you're on and um, listen to it straight away. Really interesting insight from um, from from Stephen there. But yeah, um, he will have used this time to coach individuals. So we spent the last few games working on the pattern, the shape, the combinations, like we said. But there'll be certain technical elements, where to stand, what to do, what your pattern of passing, where you fall into in defence, that he will have wanted to have done in the pre-season had he had the luxury of time. He has had the luxury of time to coach those individuals on the technical element. Second thing Steve Cooper does really well, which which Stephen alluded, alluded to as well, is this sense of togetherness, of a bond, of forming a trusting relationship with a player. So they hang off every word that Steve Cooper says and 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 believe it when he's when he's pumping their tires. I think his message to them will be Consider yourselves in the form of the last five games, particularly having played Tottenham off the park and beaten them and a really credible performance off, off Palace to, to win 1-0. And having them believe that whilst the table shows they're in the relegation zone, the recent form shows they have the potential to get out of it. And he'll have that mantra on repeat. And if it lands with the, the fellas that have stayed behind and not partaken in this World Cup, we then add in the quality of the boys that have will be a, a very different forest side um, come the end of this this break. So um, having some insight into the, the the manner in which Steve Cooper operates and reaction he gets from players, I think he'll have used this time very productively. Have you done a rough eleven for Old Trafford temps? 
Yeah, I have. And it's, it's not too different from what played against Palace, apart from Mangala. So back four of Aurier and Lodi, uh, centre-half pairing of McKenna and Worrell. Sorry, Willy Bolly. Thought you were great when we needed you. I just don't think you're as composed as, as those, two, those two can be when they're at the best. Central midfield mix of Yates, Froehler and Mangala, who I think would have played against Palace had he not been sent off against Spurs. And Lingard left, Johnson right, Gibbs White through the middle in a kind of interchangeable dynamic. And of course, Hendo's in goal. So, four no, three, three for me. Oh, sorry, no, Hendo, of course he's not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what a mistake that is. So, yeah, two changes for me. Mangala comes in and, and Hennessy by, um, by requirement. Okay, that's good. I, I thought it branched off into a couple of players we could talk about um, before we go. I mean, you mentioned the centre halves there. I'll, I'll come on to Bolly, but Joe Worrell, Greg, I don't think he's nailed on at all by any stretch now, but you hope, uh, we don't pick the team obviously, but would you hope he keeps his place and has an opportunity to, to prove himself in the next 10 games or so? Yeah, because I imagine, you know, he's club captain. He wants to play every single minute of every single game. Uh, so he must be disappointed with how the first half of the season's gone. So if anyone's going to benefit from this long break we've had, it's going to be Joe Worrell. And he did start to play again, didn't he? You know, and he showed his captaincy within him. So I think out of all those players, he's the one who's going to benefit more. And of course, this is what I was hoping for. Froilers having an excellent World Cup. You always hear those players like World Cup players who you suddenly sign and you're like, who's that? And I just feel like he's going to come back a different player, even better than how he was showing us towards the end of this first half of the season. So... I'm excited. I love Temp's team as well. I think it's great. Mangala, you know, he, I think he's suited to be a, a an away game starter more than at home. And uh, yeah, it's exciting. It really it, it is exciting. And with the cup games, Hennessy, uh, he showed he's a, as good a keeper and his distribution's arguably better than Henderson's. So when we're not going to have a lot of the ball away at Man U, that's, that's going to be key for us. Yeah, Ford is interesting. I kind of like seeing him play that Switzerland role where he looks a little mm. bit more advanced. I don't know if that means swapping roles with Yates or, or not, but yeah, he's having a good World Cup and we're seeing good stuff from him. So you're 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 bringing McKenna back in, Temps. You're not you're not sticking with that pair that did well in the last two games. I'm just a massive McKenna fan. I think he's he's so solid in the air, solid in the tackle. He's developed as well. He's got out of that habit of whacking players within 25, 30 yards of the goal. And he learned that lesson against West Ham when Ben Rama then hit the woodwork twice from free kicks that he's conceded. So he is our most accomplished defender last year, has done the video sessions, listened to Cooper, realised he needs to, to work on things. And I, I think he's the one with a long-term future at the club. So Bolly for me, uh, proved me wrong in the sense that he played well against Palace and also won his headers, won his tackles, but just looked that little bit less comfortable with the ball. And I think over the the, the course of a run of games, we we see um, some of his flaws um, more exposed. So yeah, I'd, I'd like McKenna and Worrell to become the, de the dependable partnership that we all think they can be. They're going to have Nia Carte breathing down their neck at some point, and they've got a scouting team out there trying to find a reinforcement slash replacement. So it's it's on them to, to prove that they're going to keep those shirts, but I hope they start in possession. True. I was going to make a point about Warren before I forgot. Um, 
I think he looks a better player with Aurier at right back as well. Um, the Nico Williams. No offence to Nico. The role Nico is playing, not the player, I mean. Um, I just muted you there, Greg. got terrible static for a moment when you moved. Um, uh, yeah, Nico's done well. And whoever played, if Nico plays right back, I'm sure he'll do it as well. I think it helps Joe having that presence alongside him. The other thing I wanted to talk about was the striker situation. Temps mentioned he's go with that front three as well. I wonder if there's a case for not playing Brennan and going with uh, a one year or Surridge as as a nine in that game. I mean, Temps used to, used to be comfortable playing that fluid three, even in an away game at a place like Old Trafford, would you? Well, I bemoaned our lack of an out ball at Man City when we found ourselves um, back to the wall. And the hoof was just returned with interest, or more often than not, casually brought down on the chest because no one was no one was competing in the the aerial duels in in the Man City half. I just think that um, if, if it feels like Plan B, Plan C now, doesn't it? Just to pick someone simply because they're better in the air, because we know their flaw. What they what 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 we lose is lack of ability on the on the ball, relatively speaking. So I would stick with that front three away at Man U, but I'd be far smarter in the way we get ball to them, which is we have to free one of the midfielders to be a ball winner and for them to, to win the second ball, much much like the uh, Allardyce teams of, of years gone by with um, Nolan and Davis. There's, there's certain individuals who are charged with um, getting the ball, maintaining possession, kicking things on. And certain players who are given license to try things in the final third. Brennan's the best example of that. You don't want to loop a ball to, to Brennan Johnson. You want to give it him at his feet and seven times out of ten, he'll beat a man or get to the byline and cross it, force a corner, whatever. We've just got to be a bit smarter about what it means to have those three players up top. They can be effective. They can help us get points on the road. But they're going to have neck ache if we find ourselves punting the ball to them. So within that kind of tactical lens, I'd stick with them because I think they're the, the best players we've, we've got in an attacking sense and the most likely to, to score. So, yeah, stick to plan A for, for me um, because we lose too much if we put the aerial threat in at the expense of ability at the feet. Um, what are you hoping for from Brennan, Greg, in the second half of the season, realistically? It was disappointing to see the lack of his game time, wasn't it, in the World Cup? I know he only had three games to play and he didn't play a lot of that. So, expecting him to be frustrated about that and show what he could really be about. I'd, I'd stick with Nico as well because I thought in a poor Wales side, he's shone. And I thought he was one of the busiest players in their team. So, you'd hope he brings that back to Forest. But I just think, like I said earlier, Brennan's going to kick on with players performing better behind him of course he is and you just hope a few more goals you know get that form that we've seen previously <laughs> play him in the cups play him against Blackpool he had a fan one of his best games against Blackpool last season so yeah he's, he's a star in the making and just like most players in this Forest team at the start of this season it, it, it's not really been shown yet other than the odd glimpse so just just more more of the ball <laughs> more shots more runs everything where are you playing Nico if you're keeping him in? Left what, right or left? Uh, yeah. I, well, in, in place of Aurier, really. 
I just I just think he that's a big he, call. That's a big call. Yeah, yeah but yeah, that's not gonna he, go down well. <laughs> I think he's what for the man U game? For any or game, just, yeah. Well, yeah, the well, man they, U game, the man U game, gonna, yeah. It's a timeshare, isn't it, at the minute? Uh, he's certainly going to play. I'd play him in the Man U game. I just think he, he looked good in the World Cup and, and Cooper's going to have seen that. And then I don't know if he joins them over in Greece or not or whether he gives these players, maybe he gives them the Man U game off some of these World Cup players. But I enjoyed watching him these three Wales games. I thought he was busy. He was obviously going through a lot of home family stuff and I'm excited to see him crack on in this year. So, yeah, I, I'm sticking with it. I would keep it. I do think he was Wales's best player that I saw. Mm. If I was going to pick him, I'd pick him left back. But I still think I'd probably have him on the bench. Lodi and Ori haven't done anything wrong in the last two games for me. So that's what I go with. Last one I wanted to ask about. Um, at Old Trafford, temps, Jesse Lingard. And there's a real, there's an obvious narrative there, isn't there? But it feels like a good opportunity for him to go there and show what he's all about. He'll be well up for it, won't he? Yeah, plenty of players have been spat out of Man United and it's certainly no disgrace, is it, given where they believe they should be. So I, I don't think he's going to get a particularly negative reception. He had plenty of, of good times for, for Man United and always gave his best and found himself frustrated at times. So will he be motivated by playing against Man United? Of course he will, but I don't think there's any kind of bitterness there in in, in either, either direction. Um Equally, will they be particularly wary of him? Well, probably not, because they they deemed him surplus to requirements, and they've they've gone on and and signed some excellent players. And they have a lot of depth, don't they? And in his position, we're we're blessed with two or three that can do a job. Um, Man United have four or five players there that should be um, lighting up the Premier League uh, week in week out. But look, what an occasion! I've got my tickets. Excited to go. Never been to Old Trafford. Certainly never seen. Boris play at Old Trafford, obviously, and it'll, it'll be a great occasion and one that I would enjoy winning as much as Jesse Lingard. True, true. Right, uh, we shall leave it there, apart from uh, any other business or just general thoughts on the second half of the season, if anyone's got anything to add. Greg, anything to say? No, I feel, I feel I've usually got something about a band or something. Yeah, yeah. Let you down on that. Uh, no. Uh, but oh, that's Stephen Reid interview. I know Temp's touched on it, but what a guy! What a fascinating person, and what an insight into the the workings of Nottingham Forest and some of the players, and also the the pressures and how honest he was. And it, I just think it's so commendable what he's going into now. Obviously, he's got a passion for it, but I know when this goes out, it'll be it'd have been out for a week or so. But if you haven't listened to it, listen to it because I just found it so fascinating and also heartwarming. So that's it for me. Yeah, he was a top guy. I think I've said it, it was probably the best interview mm. I think we've had. Um, yeah, very open and very interesting, very insightful. Uh, Temps, any plugs, any other business, any thoughts on the second half of the season before you dash? No, just we're closing the door on a chapter, aren't we? I think 2022 will always be remembered by, by Forest fans. The calendar year that saw Steve Cooper get hold of the side, take them from relegation certainties to promotions to the Premier League via that great day at Wembley. We've already had twists and turns in the Premier League season there's more to come but we've got a chance it starts again against Man U back at home on Ch against Chelsea on New Year's Day we, we've got to play our part by um, getting behind them by debating things sensibly not thinking everything's terrible or amazing like we hear in certain quarters and 
yeah, I hope we've helped people to to frame their thoughts on Forest of what has been the most enjoyable year that I can remember as a fan. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. Right, uh, we shall leave it there. Hopefully we'll see people at the live show on Thursday. But in the meantime, Temps, thank you very much. Cheers, Matt. Good to see you, Greg. And, and nice to see the guided tour of the mansion um, pre, <laughs> pre-podcast as well. Glad things are going well. <laughs> How moved in are you, Greg? Are you all settled in? Oh, no, nowhere near. It's, uh, you know what it's like. There's just boxes, box after box, but we'll get there. Just Can't flags and banners everywhere stuff. and 30,000 yeah, picture books <laughs> from Wembley. <laughs> yeah, you're exactly right. Laura thinks I'm a bit of a hoarder, but uh, I'm not. She's found like my old school reports and stuff. So there are certain oh things I need to get rid of. <laughs> That's an episode we could do there, reading out yeah. your school reports. <laughs> Right, we'll leave it there. Uh, Temps has got a dash. So thanks very much, everyone. Uh, Have a good week and we shall see you soon.